0: That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everyone. Our first guest of 2022 is Annabelle Wallace, who you know from Peaky Blinders, The Tudors, Malignant, The Mummy, and her latest film, the dark comedy Silent Night. Annabelle tells me about growing up in Portugal, falling in love for the first time, the idea of Prince Charming, taking risks, and much more. Our first call is with Martin, who finds himself in an on-again, off-again relationship and questions whether he should keep trying to make it work. We then talk with Travis, who wonders whether he has a moral obligation to include his wheelchair in his dating app photos. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have a question or want some unqualified advice, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified
1: with your host, Anna Ferris.
0: Your movie, Silent Night, looks fantastic. Oh, good. Will you tell us a little about it? And then we're going to go straight into your love life.
1: Okay, okay, great, wonderful. Silent Night is a wonderful, powerful, thought-provoking film written by and directed by Camille Griffith. It stars a slew of wonderful names, Keira Knightley, Matthew Good, Lily-Rose Depp, Kirby Howe-Baptiste, Lucy Punch, Sopé Ndrytsku. And it centers around love, family, class, all the important conversations happening globally. And death. Yes, and The Inevitable End, and also What We're Doing to the Planet. So I felt it was a very important film. I think people will love it. It's Christmas with uh, some truth, basically. (laughs) Enjoy.
0: I'm really drawn to the idea of genre-bending and the unexpected. And from what I gathered from the trailer, it's also very funny. Yes. But the world is sort of on the brink of death, and everyone's kind of accepted that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the genius of the film and what I responded to was it's so interesting to talk about important subject with humor. I mean, the audience is far more receptive to a harsh truth if you deliver it in a humorous tone. So I think the genius of it is that you think you're walking into kind of a Richard Curtis, Notting Hill-style film, and then it slowly turns into kind of a Lars von Trier, kind of darker... Yeah, darker truth. So I think that's where the genius of the film is. And like you, I think people are hungry for the genre bending, the -the out-of-the-box material because we are so used to oversaturated, actually. It's what I'd say we are as an audience. So that's where the film sells for me.
0: Well, I'm really excited, and it sounds like the perfect movie for right now. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I was always surprised that I ended up in comedy, probably because I always take myself so seriously. And then there is such a distinction in the industry with being perceived as a comedic actor. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just leading to my question that I read somewhere that you want to play comedic roles. Am I correct in this? Yes. Would you mind elaborating on that? Well—
1: I think the idea of, you know, going into the arts, like you want to try everything because you want to stretch yourself creatively and emotionally and... There's so much room to do that in all genres. But I do think the way you walk into the industry is then seemingly how everyone sees you. Yeah. And I definitely know that that has been a wonderful thing in my career and then also come against me because when I want to go and try something else, I don't feel as equally supported in, like, let's say the comedy genre, you know? So, yeah. It's a constant fight to try and just explore yourself as an actor when you've kind of defined a lane for yourself. So, as a contrarian by nature, I now have to do all the things that nobody wants me to do because that is my nature. (laughs) Yeah, so I see what you mean. I don't understand it either. I don't understand why some people are deemed, you know, this genre actor and not allowed to kind of cross over. It's really interesting. It's very interesting. So, yeah, I don't have the answer, but I'm trying in my own life to break through it.
0: I think it's interesting, but it's also frustrating recently well maybe it was like a year ago I was up for a role that I wanted Mm. and I felt like I gave a good audition Mm. I felt like I gave a good read and I put a lot of thought into it which I hadn't had to do for a little Mm. while you Mm -hmm. know and it felt kind of good to Mm. actually attempt to win a role again like yes it's you know yes I do believe that there's a very particular satisfaction in auditioning for a role Mm -hmm. and getting it, not just because of the win, but because you're also understand that they liked your take on it.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: As opposed to getting there and being like, you guys offered me this and what? Now you don't like what I'm
1: doing? Yeah. It's a different (laughs) level of hunger. Like I will always try and read. I will always try to prove myself in a room, especially if they don't want me because the office system is wonderful, but I think if you show passion and you show like real intent, it just changes the energy in the room. And also sometimes a director can see something in you that you don't quite see and bring it out. And that synergy between the people in the room is beautiful and you might find something nobody expected. So yeah, I think being in the room is important. When my
0: curiosity overtook my pride Mm -hmm. and I finally asked my agent like, why didn't I get that role? The answer was inexplicable to me. It was something along the lines of they didn't want a familiar comedic face.
1: That's not an answer for me. That's fear, like dressed up. That is people that are not creative enough to see outside something. They're not watching you. They're not observing you properly. So you didn't want to work with them anyway. I think. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. That's what I would say to that. Yeah. Goodbye to fear. We've lived in 2 years of it now. Anyone who's going to come to the table and say that they can't see outside of their own fear, I think that job is you're going to be
0: happy you didn't do it. Thank you. I am. You're welcome. Because it turns out I just like to puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> so I read that
1: you spent some of your childhood or most of your childhood in Portugal? Yes. I grew up in Portugal. At one and a half my mother took us to Portugal. My brother and I, my brother's two and a half, and we lived there for 17 years. Why did your mom decide to make that decision? I think she knew very much how her life was expected to be and how my brother and I's life was perhaps going to become if she stayed in the confines of the world that she'd known all her life and grew up with. And she wanted to try something different. I think a mother's instinct is so powerful. And she said she just had this voice that was like, you have to go. You have to go now and you have to try something different. And she went and she was very lucky. She enjoyed it.
0: Did you? I mean, because that's a very defining move for you. Do you look back on that? And are you grateful for that decision that she made?
1: Incredibly grateful. I mean, God, I have no words to express the gratitude. I mean, it's perspective. It's a different way of seeing the world. I went to a school, international British school, had 42 different nationalities in my year I traveled all over the world. I spoke another language. I became bilingual. I got to just see things so differently. And then going back to England and knowing the life I would, who knows what life I would have had, but I assume I would have had, it would have been very different. And both my parents, you know, so willed to impose this idea of do whatever you want. The world is your oyster. I don't want to hear no's. I want to hear yes's. Go into the world, be brave, and we support you. So yeah, I think that one decision, you know, in a kitchen in England that changed my destiny, my brothers and my father's, everyone's. So I'm very grateful to it.
0: I grew up in a family of sociologists. Oh, wow. And we were talking about the idea of national identity. And When I read that you grew up in Portugal as a British citizen, I wondered how your exposure at a young age must have liberated you in some way.
1: Yeah, I don't feel of one place. I definitely feel a person of the world. And I I work a lot with refugee charities because of that. I don't understand why you would not include someone as equally as you include the person who lives on your street. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. I was welcomed with open arms in another country. And I think the idea of always feeling like an outsider because I was confronted with that idea of like, you know, people were Portuguese or you were English. And because of the way I looked, I was therefore told I wasn't this or that, but I never liked it. I found it very caging and very limiting. So it does as a perspective, like the freedom that you feel as a human and your capacity to emote and feel with others comes from this idea that we're all the same. And that's my philosophy, like my family's philosophy, is everyone's equal. So this idea of any type of border for me doesn't apply. I just never has. And I'm grateful for anyone who helped me see that. Yeah. Did you fall in love with a Portuguese boy?
0: Always. You did? They're so handsome. Tell us all about it, because it was like my little segue.
1: Oh, got it.
0: Yeah, Right Into like first
1: love. Oh my God, there was a boy at my school and he, and we're still friends now. And he was the handsome boy of the other school. And he would come by our school and like hang out with the boys outside the school gates and he would smoke a cigarette, you know? Don't smoke, kids. But let me tell you, it was so sexy. It was very James Dean. I know that. Yeah. All he needed was a motorcycle. A motorcycle and a cigarette. And that was it. I was done. But, you know, Portuguese are very Latin. They love women. They're brought up with, you know, the matriarch of the family is so important. So you really feel that in, like, the first throes of young love. It's like you're very precious to them. You're very well looked after. And they're a gentleman. So I was very lucky to have a nice experience with boys. Early on or always? Not always. You know, I love a naughty human. So that's uh, got in the way sometimes. But yeah, I think having a brother very much helped learning about boys and learning how to interact with boys and feeling comfortable to speak up around boys. And yeah, I really owe some of my good choices to my brother. <laughs> I would say.
0: <laughs> I have an older brother. I sort of get it. Growing up, we weren't that close, but we are now. Yeah. After he was divorced, I had fun being his wingman. So wait, will you tell us about your worst heartbreak and how you got over it?
1: My worst heartbreak? I'm like a highly emotive person. I love, I love deep. Okay, my first heartbreak. He's my best friend now. We're actually best friends. That's the other thing. If you're in heartbreak, remember that love is a wonderful thing. It flowers into all sorts of things. You know, the person may not leave. They might return. And I have my best friend who is my first love. And I was devastated. So really for me, I... God, it was girlfriends. It was yes, glass of wine, which I wouldn't recommend always. But it's chocolate. It's food. It's nurturing, self-love, self-care. I mean, I've definitely learned to gather tools on my journey into womanhood that are very helpful. But back then, it was was just surviving. I, I made a lot of mistakes in heartbreak as well because again, the pain can be so overwhelming. If you don't mind my asking,
0: by mistakes, do you mean like trying to make a bad thing work?
1: I think I was always avoiding myself, you know, my own healing. And I think that I always thought that there would be this Prince Charming that would come and be my other half. And soon to realize that it comes from me, I had to arrive whole. But I would run into things immediately, like leave one, go into the other. Me too. If I thought it was bad, I had to Five on the go, you know, on the burners. It's like, you know, a Martha Stewart episode, but with like men who were like baking in the background. That's Uh, perfect for the life of an actor because you're
0: sort of being constantly unemployed or unsure when your next job is going to be. You have to have
1: like 18 things. Uh, Lots of things. And then it makes you very aloof and then men adore it. And then you're attracting more and more and more because again, we're all trauma bonding. We're all connected to each other's trauma. So if you trigger someone's trauma, they want you more. And so it was a bit of a mess. And I think just figuring out the power I had as a woman, you know, walking in a room and when I did turn that on and how manipulative that can be and how, you know, you've got to learn to handle that well. And I think that's where it gets really complicated as a girl when you kind of flower and you're a woman and you're attracting all this energy and you don't know how to handle it. I definitely did not know how to handle it. And it's been a journey. We keep hearing about
0: the idea of gaslighting. Have you experienced anything like that before? Yeah. Me too. Although it seems to have a lot of interpretations.
1: When you asked the question, I was like, okay, gas it, because some of it can be so subtle. You don't even I know. know. So when you read the definition, you're like, oh, I don't know. That's really nefarious. I wouldn't assume that. And then you slowly start to decode what you've been through. And you're like, oh, perhaps. <laughs> right. Yes, I definitely was. Now it's all coming back to me, I'm sure. I am sure I take yes. comfort in that there's a succinct
0: term for this sort of broad idea. Mm. But I resist always just innately any kind of victimhood because yes. I feel so fucking fortunate because I am. Mm. So that's why my navigation is to go to sort of what have I done?
1: Yes, yes. That's what you inherit as a woman as well. You know, yes. There's so much inheritance of like I'm so lucky. I'm so fortunate to be here. I'm so grateful. But gratitude is not useful if it's diminishing you. So it's a wonderful thing of like knowing when to have real gratitude, but not being codependent with your gratitude and being like, oh, I'll be of service. I'm so fortunate to be here. I love you. Of course, love, what a gift. Oh, I feel terrible, but I'll give more. You know, it's, it's so passed down to our genetic lines in society, the way a woman should be in a dynamic, the way a woman should even make love, have sex think about themselves it was so entrenched and even now I saw decoding it but I was prepared to accept a level of like gaslighting or manipulation or just bad behavior before that I thought you just had to deal with have you ever been engaged I'm not a big marriage person I can say that right now I don't come from a family that stayed together but The beauty is the connection is still very strong. For me, I like the idea that you're with someone because you want to be there. And if there's a celebration of love and you have a party and celebrate that, wonderful. But yeah, I'm a little bit, I haven't been engaged yet.
0: Yeah. From his letter, it sounds like our first caller is trying to make something work and his partner might be a little avoidant. And there's that kind of half-life of the relationship diminishing
1: as they keep trying. Yes. And now when I reflect on it, I think, you know, the common denominator is always you, right? So you have to look at the aspects of you that perhaps didn't want to connect, that weren't ready. We can blame the other, but we choose the other for a reason. And if we're not ready to open ourselves to really be loved, to really receive, you will sever or you will attract someone who pulls away.
0: Let's talk to Martin.
3: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Mark.
0: Hi, Martin. Hello. Martin thank you so much for writing to us. Thank you for talking with us today. Will you tell us what's going on?
2: Absolutely. So, it's the classic story. Boy meets boy online on a hookup app. And we spent about 6 weeks getting to know each other, texting back and forth. We hadn't actually met. Um we were still coming out of lockdown over here. So, eventually we got together. We had an awesome evening and met his friend. He stayed over kind of spent a lot of time together, got to know each other quite well, and then never kind of progressed anything and drifted apart, got back together, drifted apart again. Then things, as we got to know each other, started to take a bit of a turn and we picked up on each other's negatives and some down points. But ultimately, we did work through them. But we keep doing this. And I do feel like each time we do it, we learn something and we are growing. But When do you kind of say, enough's enough. Maybe we should
0: just be friends. We were just talking about the (laughs) Mm half-lifes. Martin, will you tell us a little bit about your, I don't know, would you call him your boy? I don't know how you guys are describing each other.
2: Not at the moment, no. (laughs) But there are times when definitely we would have described each other as such. We've admitted that we're in love with each other. So we do both have super strong feelings. But also through lockdowns and just the stuff that's been going on for the last 18 months, our lives haven't necessarily crossed as much as we'd like. So he's moved house four times. And each time he's moved further away from where I am. So there's another part of me that says we can make it work and we're enjoying time apart and together. But also it's like when we do bicker and fall out, there's such a distance between us that I almost think, are we fighting something that we are losing?
0: So what is the power dynamic like? Is he the one that is hesitant to make things work? And are your fights about jealousy or are they about avoidance?
2: Probably a culmination of all those sorts of things. Initially, it was very superficial. We were very much just like, I'm into you, you're into me. We're both cute. It's
0: been a long lockdown. Yeah. And this is awesome. (laughs) Um,
2: It was definitely that. But the more we got to know each other after that kind of honeymoon, it was like, actually, I do like him and he likes me. And the power that was there, it really did kind of fluctuate. I felt quite powerful for a change in a relationship, which I didn't normally. Mm -hmm. But also I've noticed myself actually thinking, wow, actually, he has changed me in ways that I like, not in a Mm. controlling, coercive manner. It's really done stuff that shows he cares about me. And I think, oh, wow, actually, there is power there on both sides. And jealousy has definitely crept in.
0: When you describe something nice that he did that changed you, can you provide like a specific idea?
2: Okay, so he nags me because I love cheese, but I'm also lactose intolerant. So I can't stop myself eating cheese. Who doesn't love <laughs> Tell me about it. Free <laughs> capital, every cheese under the sun. It's
0: like a, a reason to live. Exactly. Yeah. It's
2: the best legal drug. <laughs> but he often says to me, why are you eating that? You know you're going to be ill. You're going to be grumpy. You're physically going to be in pain. And I just think, oh, actually, you've noticed that it does that to me. And actually, you are taking the time to care rather than just let me do stupid things and then suffer later. He's got me back into the gym. And those are the things I want to do for myself. So it's nice to have that encouragement.
0: How many times have you been in love
2: before? Truly, probably I'd say two, three times, three times.
0: Because to me, Martin, it feels like you want to totally correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels a little bit like you want to keep yourself at a distance, but you really like this person.
2: That is so true. I didn't realize but obviously the first night we met, I met his housemate, I have met his friends then he pointed out not long ago, he's met one of my friends. Mm. And I just kind of think, wow, in 18 months, I didn't even realize but I've not let him in. But then I keep saying to him, I love you. What's wrong here? What's the problem? You're in my life.
0: So it sounds like his not meeting your friends wasn't really intentional. Did you explain that to him? Or did his question feel kind of like a manipulation? You mentioned jealousy earlier.
2: Yeah. It's definitely not intentional, but when you put it like that, there have definitely been times, I think, where we've misread each other and we've automatically just gone, well, if I was you or I was in that position, instead of thinking about actually you're in that position, how does that make you feel?
1: I would say what I'm sensing is just fear of being in love. And there are few things in life that are as scary as being in love and being vulnerable. And once you start in a dynamic where you're both hiding from it yeah. and feeling safe in the hiding, it's very hard to break through. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take one of you to really go there and really have the conversation because you're not dealing with the truth no. until you have that. It's posturing. It's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm I'm yeah. good. I'm happy. You're not letting him in. He's opening up and then retracting. You're doing the kind of avoidance dance on both sides, it seems to me. And I know how hard that it is to be vulnerable and (laughs) I would not want to do it. But in order to break the cycle, one of you is going to have to be brave enough to say, is this something worth fighting for? And then if it isn't, it will be very clear. So you win both ways. You'll either be free of it or you'll get the chance to really push into your capacity.
0: Not that it... Necessarily matters, but is there an age difference between you two?
2: <laughs> I'm 39, he's 33, so not really, but not
0: really. Not, not but we're on
2: the not cusp bad. of like the different generations, so he's very much like social media. That mm. me, I'm on my phone a lot, but it's for work. I kind of have my own salon, mm. my own business, so I'm like, that's my life, and that's not me saying he's only on Instagram looking at boring stuff, he could be doing any number of things. But I just kind of feel like there's that, oh, I see that social media is a bigger thing in his life because he's a bit younger than me. I noticed that. So I kind of feel like there is a bit of an age thing, although there isn't.
0: Do you have a more powerful position in your life in terms of finances?
2: No, no, I think it's fairly even pegged. So he a, he's kind of like living an alternative lifestyle. So he's really into yoga. Um, he's finishing his yoga teacher training soon. So he likes to do retreats and things like that. And the place he lives, he does retreats there. So people will come and spend the weekend doing yoga and dance and healing workshops, which is great. That provides him with the life. Yes,
0: but that must hurt your feelings a little bit. I don't know. It would hurt mine in that, like, don't you want me to be around?
2: It doesn't. It doesn't. Because sometimes I do those sorts of things. Like I've really got into mindfulness and meditations. But some of it's not for me. Like, I'd love to spend time with you, but I get that whilst you're doing that for work, he goes a lot deeper into it than I would necessarily do myself. So I think I love that he's got his own things. And I think he loves I've got my own things. And I don't think there's a battle or like any dynamic there. But I think the biggest thing is the distance and the fear of just being really honest. So the last time he had come to visit, I was working, so I do two jobs as well. I also work in a bar some evenings. So, I'd given him the house key, said, You wait at mine, I'll see you after work. And he'd seen some of his friends here, had a nice social evening. I got him from work and we just weren't in the same headspaces. He was quite chilled out. I've just finished 12 hours at work and it ended up with me sleeping on the sofa. We ended up bickering about not paying each other the appropriate attention. And then it got to the point of, Well, I'm sorry, I just got him from work. He was apologizing for being tired. I just, Got up the next day, went to work and said, well, I'll see you a bit later. But he decided to go home. And I just kind of felt really used. And I said to him, this just feels like you've come up for somewhere to stay, see your friends. And now you've gone. We haven't discussed this argument. We're not resolving it. You've gone before I've even finished. Then we took a good three weeks, I think, without contacting each other. But we're back in the good headspace again at the moment. <laughs>
0: oh, you are?
2: Yeah, we're back in the, Yeah, <laughs> that's the ridiculous thing. This is what we keep doing. And there's part of me that does find, like, a little bit of growth each time. But when is, like, when is it enough? Because 18 months, we do have strong feelings. But, you know, how do you decide enough's enough and actually stick to it as well, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think perhaps it's time to have... The conversation, about, perhaps just ask him what he wants, what, how he sees his life. And maybe ask yourself the same question, just to, you know, maybe there might be differences that you find once you've had that conversation and maybe those don't work for you, or maybe they do. But 18 months seems a long time to be in this dance.
0: Yeah.
1: I bet early on you guys probably did have some futuristic
0: conversations. Initially. Yes, because there's always that euphoria. Of like when you're first, It's like... I love you. I've never loved anyone. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: (laughs) We did talk about lots of different things because he's a performer as well. So he travels and he's around doing different things. So there would be an element of compromise from both of us. So we discussed all those sorts of things and he wants to have children and I'm not so sure, but we discussed that openly. But all of a sudden we discussed those really far off fairy tale things, but we can't discuss what are we doing today and tomorrow with this?
0: Mm. Has one of you said to the other, I think we should see other people?
2: We haven't said that, but we have both acknowledged that we have done that because we didn't make it official for quite some time. So in gay culture over here, open dating's a thing. Quite a lot of us do it. But we had always said we're not exclusive at the moment. So if you do your thing, I'll do mine. But we couldn't leave each other alone. So,
0: right. And then we bring in the jealousy factor mm. too. Yes. Right. When you guys have had those arguments, is that about
2: other it, it, people? It, oh, yeah. They, obviously, that comes that's into it way more young. than it should. Because I do truly believe, whilst we're not exclusive and committed, I shouldn't be feeling jealous. But then I guess that's because I want him to myself. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you're allowed
1: to be honest about it, I think. I think there's a freedom in being like, okay, maybe that doesn't work for me in this dynamic right now, you know? Giving yourself the honor of that.
2: I think that's probably what we need to do, is sit down and talk about what we both want and how it works with us together, if that's to be a thing.
0: Martin, do you think that he has one foot out the door? Is that how you would describe it at this point?
2: I would from my point of view but then I know from speaking with his friends and actually from going over things he does have more feelings for me than I've given him credit for Mm. I think I've always thought he is kind of perfect for me so he can't possibly be the one because that would be too good to be true so he must be thinking what else is around the corner and I guess that's probably made me do the same a little bit as well But it's biting the bullet and...
0: Oh, man. This (laughs) is the story, though, that I've definitely lived through. Oh, yeah.
2: And we're on the other side of it, I guess. So we're doing okay.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know, though. It seems like you guys may have established a little bit of a pattern.
2: I think so. Yes. So addressing breaking that, is it just diving in and admitting there's something there? I feel it. How do you feel? And what do we do going forward? Short-term, not long-term, because we need to get the short-term done, I suppose.
1: Yeah, nothing exists but now, so, Yeah,
2: you
0: know. But Martin, I worry that in this conversation, which I think you should have, I think that he may not be able to articulate very well mm-hmm. what that is, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: I think having the vulnerable conversation, like Annabelle suggested, will give you more information or perspective, you know, on how to gauge everything. Yeah. It takes time for that little seed that's planted in your head to get fertilized and to eventually grow, which is how we make most big decisions in our lives, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm
2: -hmm. I also just hear your mum's words though, Anna, just protect your heart. You've got to protect your heart. I always think I spent 10 years with a guy. We had a house and chickens and like the dream. But it wasn't right. And I, mm. I know I stayed in that way longer than I should have done. Did you leave? It got to a point where we just both were like, we're not doing this right at all, are we? This isn't working. Mm. And it was really mature and amicable. So we're still friends. He bought me out of the house. Mm. That's all done. But this is a very different dynamic to that.
0: I have definitely been in relationships where I put in much more time and effort than I should have There is something kind of romantic about the drama, but it doesn't ever really go away. And you never feel completely secure in those relationships. What do you think,
1: Annabelle? I'd say heal your wound, your need to be validated by him, your need to seek affirmation by his, you know, love and attention. Because if you come from a place where you're feeling okay, you might be able to look at the dynamic with more clarity. There's a term called trauma bonding Mm -hmm. when you're attached to each other through trauma. And it can be tiny trauma. It doesn't have to be monumental trauma. So just the through line in all the dynamics is always going to be you. Yeah. So it's from your perspective that you can change and shift and learn and get curious about your own life, your own inner world and the way you love and the way you've learned to love. And perhaps... Yeah, in honor of loving this person, caring about this person, work on your side of the street so that you can then present him with the truth so that you guys can then decide.
0: Yeah, I give you permission, Martin, to make this a long, slow death. (laughs) Yeah, If you need to. I really do. But you do think it's limping then? You think it's dying on its legs? (laughs) You know, I don't like that he kind of behaves a little more independently than what you want. You know, I'm a person who I like a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I get the sense that he might be making you feel bad more than he makes you feel good. And I kind of want you to start to clock that a little bit, you know?
2: Yeah, that does happen when it gets bad. you read the situation, you kind of know what's coming and you just think, Mm, I know there's going to be this pain and I don't want that. So so almost let's get the argument done so we can get back to the good space again.
0: Right, right, right.
2: It never works like that. And like I say, especially since he's moved further away from where I am each time he's moved house, we still connect and we still have things in common. But is that enough? Could we just be friends?
0: And the reason why I flagged that I've only met one of your friends comment is because of this very same thing. Like he's making you feel guilty for not like opening up your life yet his actions seem to be moving away from you
2: (laughs) this is just why I called up this is just the unqualified advice I (laughs) need that is so (laughs) true
1: (laughs) (laughs) just you know a person who's (laughs) been through a
2: bit of it (laughs) it is true and I guess while I think the distance doesn't matter it does like we talk and we talk before bedtime and we talk in the morning but I want to go to bed and hold him. You know, I I I love him. That's what I want.
0: And I bet your conversations at this point are pretty perfunctory. Like, hey, how are you? How was your day?
2: Yeah, it's the mundane. It's the chit chat.
1: Have you told him that that's what you want?
2: Not in as as many words recently, but probably three months ago, his mum was really poorly. And Mm. she's been now given a really bad prognosis and she doesn't have long. Mm. So there's been other things that have occupied his time. And I just think whilst there's so much distance and whilst we're struggling and life is this bigger picture, should we just call time on it for now and just let something natural happen in a year if it's supposed to?
1: I think there's value in that. There's a great book called Conscious Loving. And it's really interesting. It it tells you about, you know, the need for space, that relationships also need space. As much as they need togetherness, they need space. And if he's going through a lot in his life, it might... Be of value if it's something that you're open to, or that you say, "Fine, let's call." I just don't think it's possible. I don't think. It, it, look, it's only possible if you're both on the same page, and you can walk away and then go, "You know what? I've tried everything, and this is a person yeah. that I love. Life will bring you back together." Yeah. Again, it's each to their own. I don't know. I'm a hopeful romantic, so you know, I'll always be like, "Yes, no, yes." <laughs>
2: the yes, thing is, I suppose no. you have to be, don't you? You have to think there is some value to being a hopeless romantic, otherwise. Am I ever going to fall in love it with It makes 10? you a
0: beautiful
1: person.
2: Yeah. And I just think we could be better off as friends. That could be our thing. And we could have just met under the wrong circumstances and be brilliant friends.
1: It might be the thing that saves it for now. Yeah. If you want to protect it, you might need to walk away from it. Because what can happen in this slow death is that you slowly destroy it. So it's done. Sometimes that's the process that has to happen. <laughs> Yes, and if it is, it's going to happen. It is currently happening. I
2: will yes, say, I am <laughs> you are still, in
1: charge of your destiny. I'm
2: still in very close contact with the 10-year ex, but there is a two-year that like, I wish him no ill will, but we just don't speak. Like That's done. It's served its course, it's run its course, and we just don't speak. There's nothing there anymore. And I don't miss him. Mm. I don't wish him any ill, but it's done with Danny mm. now. I just think, I always want to know what he's doing. I want to know that he's doing the things that he's excited about and that he's got a day to look forward to. And I just keep thinking, I don't want to cut him off yet. There is still something to nurture. Mm. And I think, you're right. I probably do need to say, let's step back from it. Let's breathe and reassess.
0: I think that idea kind of comes down to the base element of being able to kind of gauge that simple thing of like, how frequently do I feel good about myself? And how frequently do I feel bad? And then usually what the half-life relationship gives you is assessment on that. And that's why it becomes a shorter amount of time mm. each time you break up. Yep. And because you are a person who likes to be in long relationships, you are in a 10-year relationship and then a two-year relationship, I don't know if he is like that, if he is as drawn to you know, long monogamy as you are.
2: I think his longest was a three-year thing. So I think for him, he's very much looked at what do I want? And he's dated people, but ultimately, like, he's found a flaw. They've not been the one, so he's been brave enough to step back. smart enough to walk away and say no. Mm. So does that mean that I'm being the the dumb one? It
0: sounds like he's an (laughs) avoidant. Yeah. You know, and I've slowly, after doing this podcast, become sort of familiar <laughs> with some <somebody's> of these terms. Yes.
1: <laughs> and you can't change an avoidant. Right. I think you need to have the talk with him. Yeah. I think there needs to be some clarity. You're clearly looking, you know, seeking something, and the answer might be right in front of you, but you just have to have the chat. And he probably will not give you any of the answers. Mm
0: that you want to hear of any kind, but at least you'll have stated what you want. Mm-hmm. And at least he can ruminate on that or whatever. But I really think that, I think that you're awesome. And I, I want like well, I think you, you're... you to be loved. For, <laughs> thank you. And I want you to be loved the way you want to be loved. Me too. <laughs> and, and so I think Annabelle is totally right about the talk, but the solution will not present itself yeah in that moment. Things could change, you know, he could find himself wanting to move in with you or whatever and really wanting to build a life with you. But I just want you to know that empathetic people have been there, you know, a lot of them. And this call, I know like our listeners will appreciate you articulating and sharing what so many of us are going through. Mm-hmm. Please let us know what happens. I know there are so many people who can relate.
2: Well, that's the other side of it as well. Like you set up such an amazing community with this whole podcast. That Thanks. I listen to the stories other people tell you. And I just think that's the advice I need to listen to. But then I kind of think mm. I need Anna's full attention. I need to be fully unqualified and advised solely for myself. But it is such an amazing thing you're doing and
0: Oh thank you. It is
2: advice I will take and it is something I think keep doing. It's phenomenal work.
0: Thank you. It means so much to hear from you. It really does.
2: It's one of those things like there are so many episodes. You just stick one on and it's like catching up with old friends. Like it really does. Oh, a lot. It's
0: lovely. Thank you. Martin, I can't thank you enough. And I'm so happy for you, though.
2: (laughs) Thank
3: you. Like,
0: I really am. You seem like you're awesome. You're doing (laughs) amazing things. Thank you very much. There's a lot of love out there. And I know that you're going to find it in the way that you want it. And maybe it's with him.
2: It might be. But it might not be. But I'll be fine either way, is is what you're saying. You
1: will be fine either way. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) you will. will.
2: Thank you so much for your time, both of
0: you. Thank you so much, Martin. Thank you, ladies. Bye. Bye. Annabelle, what did you think of that experience?
1: Oh, that was amazing. I mean, I felt for him because we all know what that's like when it gets complicated like that, and it's not black and white. So you don't, you just have to let it do what it needs to do, and time again. Totally, time is in charge, and so it's a bit out of your hands. One of those. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, completely. And I think that if we had told him to break it off, he wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, you would fight it. You fight it. Because it's just too hard. Yeah, too hard. You know, he had a big smile on his face when he talked about him and described him as a
1: really great guy and, Mm -hmm. you know. The heartbreak, I believe, I felt is that I abandoned myself for someone else, that I ultimately left my own heart to cater to someone else, to pine for someone else, to, you know, run up. And that's never going to work if you're willing to self-abandon. So if you, once you stop that, then you perhaps might attract like healthier dynamics. Have you been in a relationship
0: where when it finally ends, like your friends and family are like, oh, thank God. And... Did it take you by surprise? Why I ask this question is because I speak from experience in that world.
1: I think that's more with guys I'm dating. When a guy becomes my boyfriend, I have such a tight-knit group of friends and a close family that they just wouldn't survive if they were a nightmare. And I have such a protective brother. I mean, he would be like, no, 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 no. So I'm lucky that if I went close to that... There are definitely people that became, uh, over time, yes, maybe slightly, yeah, maybe it's like narcissism or things that people smell, they don't like, and then afterwards they're like, oh yeah. But no one really bad, there hasn't been a really bad case of that. I just never ran scenarios by my friends or family. Mm. I just sucked it up. Like I wouldn't. So you were like protective of the... Relationship. Yeah, before yourself. Mm, Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But, you know, your family, your love, ones they can sniff it out. They yeah. They know it. And when you stop sharing, they know it too. They're like, mm, something's up, you know. And it should never. A friend of mine said to me, you know, watch people who like overprotect their partner. It's like they're convincing themselves of the thing. I felt that was very astute. That is interesting.
0: Yeah. Because you shouldn't have to, right? Yeah. Our next Mm caller really tests my unqualified credentials.
1: (laughs) Shall we talk to Travis? Yes, of course. I'd love to talk to Travis. Hey, Travis.
3: Hey, how's it going?
1: Hi. Good.
0: How are you? Pretty good. Travis, thank you for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on?
3: Well, the question that I had was, if a wheelchair user goes on Tinder, and their wheelchair isn't visible. Does that make them a catfish?
0: Well, I haven't been on any dating sites, so I don't know the like sort of the rules of in terms of like the aesthetic honesty mm-hmm. or whatever
1: you're supposed to put forth. I would ask you why it wouldn't be included if you are a wheelchair user. And
0: there's
3: two very divisive different sides on disability Twitter of where they take, but. In an app that's built for superficial judgment swiping as fast as you Mm -hmm. can. I mean, I'm the weird guy that reads everybody's bios. You know, I want to know about them. Good for you. (laughs) I just feel like that's what you should do if you are there to make an actual connection.
0: So that leads me to believe that you must have a really thoughtful bio.
3: Yeah. You know, I try to, and I don't think they give you enough characters. But give people a sense of who I am, my personality, because that's really what matters. And I would like to get to know their personality. So, you know, the society has many different views on how disabled people live, what they're capable of. You know, it's all over the place. And, you know, currently people are really freaking out at Hollywood about representation and and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. I think that would help. Just showing that we are normal people would be a big step in that direction. Yeah. So I thought by not necessarily blasting the wheelchair out there, you get the chance to set your own narrative instead of just them passing you by.
0: And then what's the counter argument?
3: Well, the counter argument is that it's either lying and then you've got other disabled people that I find myself on the wrong side of disability Twitter sometimes, which is a bad place to be.
0: Will you educate us a little bit on this?
3: Oh, it's just, well, you know, Twitter can be a really rough place.
0: Yes, for sure. That's why I don't know, Travis.
3: And so if you disagree with them, that's not good. But there was a thread where somebody was really angry that people don't refer to them as a disabled person. And they're like, my wheelchair is my identity. In my stance is it's not. I mean, I spent my whole life building an identity of what I do in the community, who I am, you know, I'm funny, you know, like that's that's me. And I don't devalue their thoughts, but I just say that there's also another way to look at it. I want somebody to get to know me and not the guy in the wheelchair.
0: That makes complete sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to support whatever your inclination is because it's yours and it's you Mm. and we should in this environment where passing judgment without any kind of nuance becomes so easy for us Mm. so travis i'm assuming that your inclination would you would prefer to not
3: currently it seems to work better yeah
0: What are the risks involved in that?
3: Well, I mean, and I don't see any, obviously, you know, I'm going to talk about it or work it into conversation as we get talking, Mm but it gives you the opportunity to have a conversation. Now, there was one girl that I saw in a documentary or something. I think it's from over in Europe, but she doesn't actually tell them. The guy shows up to the date and that's when they find out she's in a wheelchair And I wouldn't want that sort of interaction. But if it works for her, that's cool. But I think that's rough.
0: I do too, because I would imagine like your heart would be pounding. How are
1: they going? Like, yeah.
3: You're setting yourself up for a level of rejection that maybe you don't need to do that.
1: Those platforms, to me personally, I find them very, again, surface. Many of my friends have found partners and they use it. But I think you'd have to gauge for you as a human being what you're actually putting yourself into. Like, you know, you're engaging with an app that is on so many levels for all segments of society. Like, for every human on Earth, like, it is really not an easy place to put yourself. So it's whether or not you feel comfortable. And if that is painful for you and it's not inviting good connection, you're not going to find the love that you want mm-hmm. and the deeper connection that you feel, perhaps it's pursuing it somewhere else. I don't know. It makes me petrified thinking about that world and, you know, putting yourself out there and then having to talk about your physicality. Like, I don't know. It just, it all feels, it's the modern world. I understand, but I, as long as. It's a
3: modern world and how we destroyed it. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. But you have a choice to participate in it or not. Mm-hmm. and I think you said it when you were telling your stories that it was a very, you know, this left and right the swiping of a human being of like this disregard of mm-hmm. a human being and again, it does give people a lot but if it doesn't make you feel good from the get-go even in your description of it I would question whether it's the right place to find someone who really wants to know you because a lot of people aren't on there because they want to know people they want to connect to people perhaps, I don't know I worry about you and what you're looking for The idea
0: of the dating app world brings me back to like when I was 13 and would look at like a cosmopolitan magazine and just feel like shit about myself. Yeah.
1: And it's all filtered, like for women that you see on there, like most of the images, we're all catfishing each other, you know? I definitely don't post a natural photo when I woke up in the morning, you know? Exactly. So essentially, you could say that. I'm doing the same. So we're all doing it. It's just where you go to find love is what you're going to receive. So if you're already saying that the, the app is disingenuous, I'm not making you feel, I worry that that's what you're going to attract.
0: And I also think that we could find support for opinions in that world on anything. Mm-hmm. But Travis, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? And would you be interested in using something else to potentially date? And is the thing that you're grappling with, is it more about the community? If you do or if you don't post pictures with your wheelchair or without your wheelchair or whatever, like what kind of vitriol would you potentially get and how does that influence you?
3: I mean, I haven't got any. I don't know if I would. I suppose you got to anything we do out in the internet, we need to expect an attack somewhere. But it just came up recently when I was going to refresh my pictures and take some. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I just kind of want this different angle. And we got to talking about it. And it's it's came up a few times. I would say, I think it was really during the first lockdown and quarantine, Tinder gave out the passport so you could swipe around the world. So then I just did this internal like research project of what area in the world is most accepting of disabled people because there was nothing else to do. What area? Philippines ranks the highest, followed by Ukraine. Sweden might be tied with Ukraine. London is at the absolute bottom.
1: I was fascinated by that.
3: I spent some time in Mexico City and it was harder, I think, to overcome being an American than it was being in a wheelchair, so that was that was an interesting experience.
0: Mm. Travis, you don't have to answer these personal questions, but do you mind my asking? No, go ahead. How long have you been in a wheelchair?
3: Let's see. I was I was in first grade, so ninety one.
0: What a journey!
3: Yeah, and so I I always say that I was really lucky. I went to a small. My school was comprised of a couple area small farming towns and my graduating class was 36. So it was a real small school and everybody just always knew me and didn't treat me any different. And I never really experienced being different until I got to college.
0: And what was that like?
3: It was a real eye opener, you know, and that's where you maybe never had insecurities or things you've Develop these like, oh, that's what insecurity means, I guess.
0: Mm. It's like you had the roughest part of puberty slightly later.
3: Yeah, which I don't know what would be worse, having it younger or,
1: yep.
3: you know, you have a little more emotional intelligence to handle it, but I don't know.
1: I mean, it seems wonderful how you're seeking what most people, you know, don't know they're seeking until it's too late. I mean, you're coming from a place of deep empathy and, seeking connection in a way that i think most people don't even know is possible it's just whether or not you want to seek it in a place that is not attracting people who have maybe a heart like yours or want to be seen most people don't want to be seen most people choose a partner because the partner doesn't see them yeah so it's whether or not you're okay playing in that space and you can have those interactions But it seems to me you want something more soulful, more deeply connected. And I wonder if that's more the conflict of the bigger conversation is, be it if there's a chair or or not a chair. I mean, I wonder if you're in the right place to find that level of connection that you're looking for. And if you're meant to find it, you will find it there. It will appear with chair, without chair. However, you're seeking something deep. And I, I wonder if that's the place to find it. That's it.
3: I see the inherent problem with that, but <laughs> you are but funny. It's also yeah. kind of a, a blanket thing, even if it I have a podcast where I talk about disabled type stuff and news and
0: Travis, let's plug your podcast. What's it called?
3: Uh the CTZ podcast.
0: The CTZ. Nice, we're
3: in the central time zone.
0: Awesome. Travis, I kind of asked this question earlier, but it seems like your inclination would be to not include the chair. Yeah. Then I think you have permission to do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is my complete ignorance I'm exposing towards the idea of living in a chair. I don't know. But I do think this is yours. Yeah. You know? I wear a padded bra. <laughs> I just got
1: fake ones. <laughs> yeah. I just... That's bloody catfishing. We can get really nitty gritty you know, about I, it. If I didn't wear a padded bra, they'd be like, oh, God, what's going on And there? because God. I'm the
3: guy that reads the bios, like, they're straight out lying. You know they are. Like, oh, yeah. Nobody goes hiking that much.
0: <laughs> I don't think there are any downsides to delaying when you tell someone If you match and they're taking the time getting to know you, then you might also have an opportunity to change their perception. Yeah. And if you decide this person is worth getting to know, then you can choose an appropriate time. Hmm. Would you say, I imagine meeting or connecting with people is much easier for you in person.
3: Yeah. And it's just based off of living, you know, real life. Before yeah. we were all locked up in our houses and meeting people, you know, I I don't have any problem meeting people out and about because obviously you can quickly get to know my personality. And that's, you know, the strong point. And in any sort of dating apps, it still takes someone to match that you can talk to them. And it's just rough being in a situation where you've got to plead your case, prove yourself without the ability to do that first.
1: Yes. I'm with you. You know yourself. If you want to be given equal opportunity, if you think that it doesn't give you equal opportunity, only you know, I'm with you. I stand by your decision. It's like, you know, I have friends who have three children and they're single and they think that if they tell a man that, they'll never get a date. And so they don't say anything. And then it comes up and it has to come up in conversation at some time. You know, some people have illness. Some people have autoimmune diseases that, you know, flare up. We all have awkwardness moments of revealing who we are. But if you think that that is something that you want out of the way, then of course, just honor yourself first because the right person will love you regardless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you discussed this
0: a lot on CTZ?
3: Disabled things come up, and there's a reoccurring segment, Tinder Tales with Travis. That's where I talk about the craziest moment of that week and stuff. But I've been going on Tinder more now to create those stories you know i gotta gotta have the interactions. gotcha
0: this means you have kind of an emotional distance a little bit it's more of like this experiment that you're kind of testing out
3: but yeah i think we're going to go deeper into it or at least do it every week just because i think these sorts of conversations are valuable you know to have people talking about it and thinking talking about being on the wrong side of disability twitter like i stand up for some who they would label as an ableist, because we're all a product of what we were exposed to. And what if they were never around a disabled person? Their whole point of reference is what we're being shown in TV and movies, which there's like 25% of the world is disabled and there's like 2% representation in film. So, you know, we're not doing a good job telling the true story of disabled people. So we can't blame the normies for not understanding it.
0: It requires imagination, I think, to have empathy. Mm -hmm.
3: You have to realize it's a thing, realize it's a possibility, and then care to kind of imagine it. You're right.
1: And how wonderful you're doing so much to raise awareness. I mean, coming on here, you have your own podcast. You're on Tinder. I mean, I'm sure some people don't even have the courage to go on that in feeling like they do. I I know friends who just have crippling anxiety and they find it hard to Mm -hmm. put themselves out there. So it's wonderful. You know, you're giving a voice to a community that you're very, you know.
3: Yeah, I feel like I can't sit back. A lot of people complain you know, a lot of the threads are Hollywood's not doing this or this thing's wrong or the government sucks, you know? So that's why I work with a lot of senators and, you know, even our last governor and like, try to make a difference. Like let's build policy.
0: Fantastic.
3: So I just, I wanted to do what I can to help start conversations. And it was so crazy that You wanted to have the conversation, so.
0: Travis, I'm so glad that you wrote to us. Mm. I love having conversations like this, and I really appreciate getting the opportunity. I am definitely unqualified, having never been on a dating app, and also (laughs) not having lived in a wheelchair.
3: That's what's best, because it's a different perspective.
0: Exactly. So I can't thank you enough. Tinder Tales with Travis. Is that what it was? Yeah, amazing. This is amazing. Tinder Tales with Travis. Ah! Back to the sort of the original idea, which I am very unqualified to really give much of an opinion on. But I think following your gut can't be
1: incorrect. Mm -hmm. And the right person understands. The right person understands. Yeah. You don't have to explain yourself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And if nothing else, it's a hilarious experiment. Completely.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Travis, thank you so much for talking with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for the education. I really learned a lot from you today. So thank you. Travis, thanks again so much. Yeah, thank you. CTZ. Take care.
0: Annabelle, I cannot thank you enough for doing this today. Oh, thank you. It's really been lovely. I've really had a good time. I've learned so much. Me too. You are just amazing. And yes. mm. doesn't it kind of feel like it's almost nap time? I know. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> these are big questions. These are people's lives <laughs> I've <I'm like> now <laughs> involved in. <people>. Yes. <gasps> I'm, like, I'm really glad that we got to plug Travis's yeah.
1: podcast. And also to, to hear someone with such a unique perspective. I mean, it, again, you forget that you... Yeah, we're so lucky that we it's not something we have to think about, you know? So there are other things we have to think about, but it's important to just hear how vulnerable people are, you know, and completely to tell their stories. It's incredibly brave. So thank you for holding the space for these people. I mean, it clearly gives them so much. I hope so. Thank you.
0: I can't wait to see Silent Night. Oh, you'll love it. I know. I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. Oh, good, good. Thanks again, Annabelle. Yeah, enjoy your (laughs) afternoon. You too. Bye. Bye.